two drives by the Saints, uh, Luke, where all yeah. they have to do, they don't even have to score points, right? All they have to do is get some first downs and run the clock and force the, the Bucks to burn their timeouts. They only get barely two minutes off the clock in two drives. I mean, that was, they were complicit, man. They were complicit. Some of they were passing when they probably should have ran. They questionable uh, decisions with yeah, their I'm personnel. Yeah, I'm definitely going to find out what type of edible arrangement Dennis <laughs> Allen prefers. Oh man! Uh, and make sure that gets to team headquarters as soon as possible because you know we owe we owe him that one. Another amazing comeback win orchestrated by the greatest quarterback of all time. And another assist from a Bucks opponent. The Saints of all teams, the Bucks like arch nemesis, definitely lended a helping hand in a huge comeback that might end up saving the Bucks season. We'll see. We'll be breaking down the final minutes of the fourth quarter here coming up next. But first and foremost, it's the Bucks Wire podcast. Thanks for joining us and welcome into the show. I'm Ryan O'Leary. I'm joined here by my friend each week, Luke Easterling. Luke is the managing editor of USA Today's Bucks Wire. Luke, I just let me start with a question, right? <laughs> you wanted a soul-crushing win over the Saints badly. Like we've been talking every week. Early in the season, you said, I want a blowout. I want a 40 burger. I want to just crush the Saints soul for all the things they have done to the Bucks, Tom Brady, and Bucks fans, right? Over these last three years. Because this team, this team has been more than a thorn in the paw, right? Does this qualify? Does this qualify? Do the last seven minutes or so of that ball game on Monday night? Does that qualify as the soul-crushing win over the Saints that you wanted? It's definitely not how I would have pictured the soul soul being crushed. Not how you drew it up. Yeah, definitely not how I drew it up. But, uh, you know, I mean, the the Bucs won. The Saints' soul was crushed. So I'll take it. I'm uh, I'm not going to be... Six and six, beggars can't be choosers here, right? So uh, we'll take... uh, when The way the first 55 minutes of that game went, uh, I will take whatever soul crushing uh, I, I can I can get at this point, and uh, it was definitely a unique version. Uh, but man, it just all of that fades away when you just think about what we got to witness—another beautiful slice of Tom Brady's magic. We don't know how many more of those we're going to get, so every one we do get is just—it's super special, man. I, I literally just felt like a kid sitting there just watching an absolute larger than life legend do something that every he's so good at it that when you when you get anywhere near that opportunity we're just talking off the air about all the different moments where we're like uh oh uh oh uh oh and it's, it's coming it's like the 40 it's the 40th time it's happened right it's like every time Crazy, he gets in those situations everybody's thinking the same thing it's the opposite of what you think when almost every other quarterback is in it you're like oh you know it's a it, Everybody starts to already get scared. You start to look at the clock. You start to look. You start to do the math, right? What they need, and you're like, "Oh my God, he's going to do it! He's going to do it, isn't he? Like it's possible, mathematically possible." So he's probably just going to do it, right? Like that's just. And sure enough, man, he did the damn thing again. What 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 was the set you had on Bucks Wire, Luke? It was like a point seven percent chance at one point in the fourth quarter. Yeah, yeah. Could... Next gen next gen stats said that when they. I think it was when they got the ball back. It was four five thirty four left, and they were down sixteen to three. So they had a zero point seven percent chance of winning the game at that point. That's unbelievable, man. It's it's crazy too because so 
after after Todd Bowles overrules Brady on fourth and ten from deep in their own territory, I forget where they were. Like it was between like the twenty and the thirty yard line. Brady's like, "No, we're not punting. We're going for this." And Todd Bowles is like, "No, nah, I don't think so, big fella. Get off the field. <laughs> we're punting." And Brady goes to the cool sideline. He's yeah, he's kind of pissed. The Saints have the ball. First the down. Booing. The crowd's booing. Yeah, the crowd's booing. Brady's pissed. 6.54 remaining in the game. The Saints have it first down with a 16-3 lead. Forget it, right? Forget it. It's over. Twitter, Buck's Twitter was a wasteland at that point. I bet. Everybody, fire him now. It's over. This was the worst decision in the history. Like, we were all, I was mad about it. I Todd had to make me go back and delete some tweets, man. I, he made me look real silly. I bet. Yeah, I bet. And, uh, you know, the Saints, though, as, you, as you're saying, Luke, right, like, when you get into these situations and Brady starts putting pressure on the opposing defense and the opposing coaches, they start to make really bad decisions, right? And I think, yeah, they so start to lose their mind. They do. And I think the Saints made so many questionable decisions. I was talk- talking to uh, John Sigler of Saints Wire. There was a couple situations where the Saints were passing without Chris Olave on the field, right? They're, they're getting the ball to running back yeah. Mark Ingram on a key situation with Alvin Kamara on the sideline. Like there's just questionable personnel decisions, uh, passing instead of running, uh, just crazy stuff. I mean, second and eight Dalton passes to Mark Ingram with Alvin Kamara on the sideline, by the way, he runs out of bounds a yard short, short of the first down. Then the saints pass on third one incomplete and only a minute 33 comes off the clock when the saints had the ball again, six fifty four remaining with, with a 16 to three lead first down. They only get a 133 off the clock and punt uh, and get the ball back to the Bucks. They go down, score after the long P.I. call on Mike Evans. And then I thought, Luke, in real time, the sack by Carl Nassib, I, I thought, I was like, oh, it's happening. The Bucks are going to win. Yeah, and then and then what happens right after that, right? There's a split second where we go from, oh, this is it. He's going to do it again to, oh, health. no, the Bucks just yep. outbucked themselves yep. because Andy Dalton just threw an absolute dime right over the middle on third and 17 for a first down. And a defense without both of their starting safeties, right? Antoine Winfield Jr., the pro bowler, he's out. Mike Edwards is out. And Keanu Neal makes the play of the game, right? Jamel Dean was involved there too, but the ball, I mean, it was just a perfect throw. You can't say anything about it. Red Rifle stuck that thing in the only place it could go, and he was about to win the game. Like, that was it. And Keanu Neal comes in and saves the day, man, knocks that ball loose. And so you the, the – the range of emotions in literally like a matter of seconds back and forth, you get the sack, then you see the throw go over the middle, and he's caught the ball. He did catch it for yes. a moment, and it's over. The game is over if he just goes down and holds on to that ball. Thank you, Anu Neal separates him from it. It's fourth and 17, and you know the punt's coming, and I think everybody in the building knew how that was going to go. So that play goes incomplete, and it stops the clock, right? So only 31 seconds yeah. come off the clock on that second Saints drive. So two drives by the Saints, uh, Luke where all they have to do, they don't even have to score points, right? All they have to do is get some first downs and run the clock and force the the Bucks to burn their timeouts. They only get barely two minutes off the clock in two drives. I mean, that was, they were complicit, man. They were complicit. Some of, they were passing when they probably should have ran. They questionable, uh, Decisions with yeah, their personnel. Yeah, I'm definitely going to find out what type of edible arrangement Dennis <laughs> Allen prefers. Oh man! Uh, and make sure that gets to team headquarters as soon as possible because you know we owe we owe him that one. Oh my god! I mean, I think Saints fans are obviously livid. If you go over and read the Saints wire right now, they they definitely are. I mean, barely two minutes off the clock in a in a situation where every second mattered for Brady and the Bucks to score uh, those thirteen those fourteen points. I'm sorry, 
uh, just wild, man. And even more crazy that the Bucks finished with a timeout in their pocket again, Luke, right? One timeout in yeah. their pocket. It just shows you how great Brady is at managing those situations, though. He saved that timeout, and they never used it. We've run out of things to say, right? I mean, it, 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 when you're at this point in his career and he's still doing things that he's either done like never before or maybe once before, that's the only time he's ever come back from down 13 in the fourth quarter except for the Super Bowl against the Falcons, right? That that comeback against the Falcons is still his, his best fourth quarter comeback of all time. But this is only the second time and the first time in the regular season, obviously, where Brady has been down by 13 in the fourth quarter and has come back to win. So it's just, I mean, there's just, again, you, you run out of words for, for what he's capable of doing and the fact that, again, we, we expect it now. And he still delivers. It was the same thing with the Rams game. Like, they, that offense sucked again for 55 minutes. And then when it was time to make it happen, time to win the game, none of that mattered. And he got the job done. I, I just, and again, not only did he get the job done, he got the job done throwing the ball to everybody. Kate Otten and Rashad White, the two rookies, caught the two touchdowns. How about that run? How about that route from Scotty on third and six? Mike Evans isn't even on the play. field. Huge play. And Scotty Miller runs a ridiculous route, shakes his defender off the line. He's 5'8", of, what, a buck 75, soaking wet, and the guy's up in his face to press him, and he shakes him with that release and gets open inside. I mean, huge catch there. Just play after play, the, the balance between Rashad White and Lenny, you know, throughout the game, but really on that last drive as well, both of those guys making plays. I thought one of the best play calls on that drive, not sure if it was Byron, not sure if it was Tom just calling shots out there, but the running play to Lenny when it was second and short, after they caught a pass because they realized, hey, we got timeouts, we got clock on, you know, we got plenty of clock. We could still run the ball in these short yardage situations to make sure we run, we, we move the chains. Not only do they move the chains, and he gets a big chunk, and they just keep moving. The momentum keeps building. I thought that that, that final drive was ridiculous. They were both great. The first one was 91 yards. That was a 91-yard touchdown drive. Yes. And they still got the stop. Obviously, a big chunk of that came from the, the pass interference penalty. But man, just just so many moments that that again, I, I know that there's a lot of issues they're going to have to work out and a lot that they still have to fix that they really want to contend down the stretch here. They're going to have, you know, they had to figure it out pretty quick with the Niners and the Bengals coming. So, but, but, but for that night, it was good enough to beat a really bad team. Um, and I think there, there's, you know, you can focus on the negative and focus on the fact that they were really bad. I think it was just a, a, a magical five and a half minutes. Um, that when when he's gone, when we when he's not playing anymore, we're going to look back and, and want to appreciate every single time he did this. Yeah, I mean, as a Patriots fan, watching Belichick, Matt Patricia, and Mac Jones fumble around at the end of the second half and the end of the game with clock management, Luke, you realize how good Brady is at it. When he's on the field, he just has that thing. He knows what to do in those late how to manage everything. The team get him get him to the line, manage everything. He's just there's been no one no one better than him. And he scored twice. They scored twice at the end, right? The one play was called back from a holding. That was a big moment, too. You said there was one Bucks player in particular, Luke, and I'll let you talk about him, who is probably the happiest of all. We're all happy, but man, Donovan Smith, right? He's, he's the happiest Buck there is. Yeah, yeah, he is. Because, again, I think that play was snapped with 19 seconds left, so it probably took four or five seconds. It's 14, 15 seconds on the clock, and they score the game winner, right? So you're thinking the Saints maybe get a couple plays. And then they call it back for the hold. And now you're thinking, you know, sure, it's first down, but you now only got, you know, maybe two or three plays. You might not get four snaps because of the clock now. So that, I mean, to, to score the touchdown and talk, you think you have the game won to now you don't, and you've got to back up 10 yards, and now you've got to figure it out, and there's not much time left. 
I mean, it, it that could have been the whole season, right? That could have, you know, yes. the, the the disappointment of going from hey we won to no we didn't, and now the Bucks are you know below, you know, two games below five hundred, and yeah, you know, they're still in first place. But if they can't beat the Saints, who could they beat? It's a whole different conversation we're having right now. It's a whole different vibe that we're having in general around this team. If the last thing we remember is Donovan Smith holding and wiping that touchdown out, the Bucks losing that game. Yeah, and one thing I noticed just watching on the broadcast live, Luke, was now Donovan Smith was was definitely upset after that flag came. I think he probably got a little unlucky. I don't think he meant to hold. It wasn't like he tried to hold the guy. Wasn't just, great. Wasn't great. But the defender made a great rush. Yeah. And, and and boxed him into it. Right. It was, unlucky. It was not. Yeah. Yeah. He beat him to the inside. If he had kind of if he had let Leverett, the, the left guard, have a little bit more of him, I think he would have he would have been okay. But you don't, you know, it's kind of hard to know that on the fly in real time. So, yeah, it was just it was a, a good rush by the defender that put him in a bad spot. For sure, yeah. So one thing I noticed, though, the Bucks did a good job of, like, taking that in stride because that was a big blow. Like, that was a hell of a throw and catch yep. by Brady and Godwin. Holy crap. Uh, just what a play. You think you won the game. Now you get the gut punch that there's a flag on the field and we have to go back 10 yards and try to score again with yep. it now being harder, right? Because we're further away from the goal line. And Mental toughness, man. the Bucks really, they didn't, they can't, like I saw multiple players. I think it might've been Rashad White when he came in, just like calming down Smith. And they really kept it together, Luke, in that moment. That was, that was a good sign. If you're hoping that the Bucks can figure out a way to, to turn it around. And we will talk about those first three and a half quarters here later on in the show. I thought that was pretty good. And, and speaking of Rashad White, did he emerge from the doghouse a little bit in this game? Now, uh, you know, we've been seeing, uh, you know, when Lenny's in the game, we're seeing Fournette and Rashad White utilize it. White had a bunch, of, I think he had like eight or nine targets in this game again. So still very heavily involved in the passing game, which we're going to expect. But it seemed like we saw a lot of Fournette, especially in key situations after the Rashad White fumble, right? I thought it was kind of cool for White that he got, that he came back in and caught the game winning score and the route he ran. Oh my God. You can see why he is becoming a favorite target of Brady because that route looked like a Brady approved, like you see what I see kind of route, right? Like white kind of felt the space made a move. It was almost like a double or triple move, right? If you look at the route, it was definitely like he had options and he had to see it the same way as Brady did. And he did it perfectly and made a great play. So kind of a cool little story that white after a fumble, he's got a pissed off Lenny Fournette who doesn't, who probably wants to play every snap if he could. Uh, And he makes, he comes in and makes that play. Doesn't pout when Lenny's getting a lot more snaps in those key situations and he makes that play. I thought just we both like Rashad White uh, and think he's got a good future with the Bucks as a rookie right now. And I thought that was kind of a cool storyline as well coming out of this. Yeah, it really was. And, and I think if I'm not mistaken, when Tom was talking after the game, he he wanted that play and he wanted Rashad White because I think that's a play that they have repped a lot. And I think he was really confident based on the preparation and the practice that Rashad White was going to see it the same way he did, and it was going to work exactly like like it did, and and, and it did. So, yeah, you mentioned the, the 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 X's and O's of it. That was definitely an option or a choice route where Rashad's got to read Demario Davis, the linebacker, and figure out what he wants to jump. If he goes, you know, if he takes that first step outside and gives you the outside, you know, gives you the inside leverage, then you cut across his face and you go run what they call an arrow route, right, where you 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 break it off, put your foot in the ground, and then you go towards the middle. And then Brady throws it over the middle. He didn't. He he kind of came across it. It started to come across the middle. 
and that it got Demario Davis to take that first step to the inside. And once he did that, he put his foot in the ground, pivoted right back to the outside, and Brady obviously put the ball right where it needed to be, and, and he gets into the end zone. So yeah, just those types of things. And again, you could say the same about Kate Otten and the fact that he continues to build rapport. These young guys have have put in the work. These young guys have have done what's necessary to get Tom Brady to trust them as rookies. It's not easy to do, but but what you see on Sunday is a is a, a result of what they're doing during the week. I promise you that because Brady is not going to give you the ball. Brady is not going to call your number and and want you on the field for you this specific play so I can throw it to you unless you're busting your ass during the week in practice and repping things and, and building that trust throughout the week where he knows that when, once we get in the game in these clutch situations, I know I can, I know I can count on you because we've done it all week in practice. So those guys have done a fantastic job um, and a very, very bright future for both of those guys that are really, really excited about what Rashad White brings to that backfield. Yeah. I mean, how many times this year have we heard Brady say, Luke, we're just not seeing it right. We just gotta, we just gotta see it better together on the field. He keeps saying that over, over we and over. Last week, yeah, he exactly. Said it last week. Yes, so it's it's really refreshing to see it go the right way for a change at a key moment at the end of the ball game for a walk off touchdown, basically. So, yeah, if if Bucks fans listening haven't just rewatched that highlight of of Rashad White and just watch his feet, it's really cool. You can see the option route. That's really a Brady thing. He loves option routes, especially from his running backs and slot guys, and that was definitely an, an example of it. And definitely check it out. It's just cool football nerdy stuff luke right there yeah yeah they're uh, they're big risk reward routes right because yes. if you don't read it right you're throwing it right to a defender yeah it's usually a pick because you're not where yeah it, it can go very badly very quickly um so the fact that you you know again you ran it you ran it to perfection two guys seeing it exactly the same way it's, it's a beautiful thing yeah it's usually a pick that it looks like brady just throws it right to the defender so you're like brady what the hell are you doing and then brady's yelling right, and right. that's and usually like, what it is it's like, it's like what happened it's like tom tom's being an a-hole he's like mad he threw it right to the defender now there's probably something that made that happen so yeah it's it's yeah. a cool little x's and o's place uh play check that out and you got to check luke out on bucks wire because he was ahead of the ahead of the curb here on both Kate Otten and Rashad White, if you read the Bucks Wire, so just if you if you're not reading Luke's stuff on Bucks Wire, there's another reason to do it. Um, I have a question about the first three and a half quarters of this ball game that we're going to get to coming up next. But first, let's set our fantasy lineups with thehuddle.com. This is the Typico Sportsbook Fantasy Minute. Let's make this interesting. Interesting. Corey Benini with TheHuddle.com here to bring you strong plays for Week 14. Detroit Lions quarterback Jared Goff versus the Minnesota Vikings. The former Ram has thrown multiple touchdowns in three of his last five games and has at least 20 fantasy points in consecutive outings. Back in the Week 3 meeting versus the Vikes, he threw for 277 yards, one touchdown, and a pick. Minnesota has allowed quarterbacks to average 24 fantasy points per game in 2022 as the fourth weakest defense of the position. Even Mike White and Mac Jones have exceeded that mark versus the Vikings in the last two games. With six teams on a bye, Goff is a rock-solid quarterback one. Carolina Panthers running back Deontay Foreman at the Seattle Seahawks. Foreman sat out of practice Wednesday with a foot injury, but he's expected to play, according to his head coach. The Panthers have fed Foreman at least 24 carries three times in the last five weeks, but he has scored just once in the last four games. Carolina returns from its bye week with Sam Darnold once again under center to face a Seattle unit that has been trampled by running backs in 2022. So we can consider 80 rushing yards and a touchdown to be a remarkably safe floor. This matchup ranks as the eighth easiest opponent for rushing yards allowed per game since week eight 
28, and is number four in terms of ease of scoring touchdowns on the ground by the position. Las Vegas Raiders wide receiver Mac Hollins at Los Angeles Rams. His role has increased of late, but he has just one touchdown grab since week seven and has topped 10 PPR points in half of his appearances over that time frame. The Rams have given up the most receptions per game to the position in the last five weeks, and only three teams have allowed more receiving yards over that span. Hollins makes for a sound option as a flex play in deeper leagues to help cover the enlarged slate of buy teams. New England Patriots tight end Hunter Henry at Arizona Cardinals. The best matchup of the year by a decent margin offers hope for Henry to not be a lineup anchor as he has been most of the year. He posted three catches for 63 yards and a touchdown against the Vikings in week 12, but everything else since week 6 has been far from memorable. Arizona has granted tight ends the most yards and catches per game since week 8 as well as in 2022, and the position has found pay dirt nine times on the year. Six teams on a bye make Henry a much more palatable play. For more award-winning fantasy football news, tips, and advice, please be sure to check out thehuddle.com. That was your typical sportsbook fantasy minute. Win your fantasy football league with thehuddle.com and use them to dominate player prop bets at Typico Sportsbook. For a limited time, new Typico Sportsbook users in Colorado and New Jersey from this podcast will enjoy a special welcome bonus. Get your bonus today at usatodaybet.com slash podcast. That's usatodaybet.com slash podcast. See typico.com for terms and conditions. 21 plus only gambling problem. Call 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey. 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado. All right, we're back. Luke, I got to ask you this. Uh, does this result change your opinion on the Bucks at all, right? So in other words, do you still have to dock the Bucks for the first three and a half quarters? Because, man, we can look at this on the other side of the coin too, right? As brilliant as those last six minutes were or whatever it was, where the Bucks and Brady came up with some magic and they won the game and now they're, they're back on top of the division, got some space between the other teams, and we could start looking ahead to them winning the NFC South and making a run in the playoffs potentially. That's now back on the table, but it was really close to not being on the table, right? It was really close to going the other way. As you talked about last week, you didn't like the spot, that primetime home against this team, the Saints. There's just something about that team, and it really looked like they could go again getting embarrassed at home in prime time without scoring a touchdown, right? It was really close to going that way. Now, magic happened at the end. But how do you how do you look at this, right? Do you give the, the Bucks like, a ton of credit for how they responded? Or do, is your opinion still iffy on the Bucks for how it looked in the first three and a half quarters? Because, wow, it, for them to be stuck on three points after that first drive all the way through till the end was not a good sign. Yeah, yeah, I think uh, I'll put it this way. I asked Bucks fans this, basically. I think it was either late that night or early the next morning. You know, how are we feeling? Uh, and most, the overwhelming majority of the responses were, that was really fun, fire everybody still. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. the, so, you know, in terms of the Bucks fans that I communicated with, it didn't really change their opinion whatsoever. They were basically like, thank God we have the GOAT because everything else sucks. Um, so that's kind of their opinion is if they didn't have Tom Brady, uh, none of this would matter. Uh, and that being the case, they think there's still some changes that need to be made. So, you know, the way I feel about it is it's a this win in particular was huge because I still think that this team can lose maybe three games and win and go to the playoffs. I, I think that now that they beat the, the Saints, they're three and one in the division. Most of their losses this season have come against the AFC. So their conference record is still pretty good. All of these things in terms of tiebreakers, right, for the playoffs of the division crown. All they have to do is win the division to get in. That's their only ticket, right? They're not going to be a wild card team. They're not going to, you know, finish with a good enough record to beat out some of these other teams that are in better divisions. 
But all they have to do is win the division. So if they now that they've beaten the Saints, they're three and one in the division. They've got two division games left, and they are week seventeen and week eighteen. They play the Panthers and the, and the Falcons again. Um, so the next three weeks, it's on the road against uh, the 49ers. Don't have a lot of hope there. Um, it's home against the Bengals, who are playing as well as they've played all year right Tough now. One. Don't have a lot of hope about that one. The next week is the Cardinals, who aren't playing great, but it's on the road. It's out west on Christmas night. It's you know they have trouble with with mobile quarterbacks sometimes. The Falcons, you know, the Cardinals still have some talent and, and could make some problems for the Bucks in that game. But I feel like if they lose those three games in a row and beat the Falcons and the Panthers to finish out the year, they'll still be 5-1 and one in the division, and I don't see any of those other teams finishing with a good enough record to beat them. And they could still they could go 8-9 and nine and, and win the division and go to the playoffs. And at that point, we've talked about it a million times before, it, it's all bets are off. At that point, you're Tom Brady, you're – you've got a chance to make another run. Now you're in the dance. So now you just have to make the most of it. You know, I think that all of that is still on the table, even if they lose the next three games, that's pretty ridiculous to think about, but you know, I don't know that it changes the overall opinion that I have. I still think this team has a ton of problems and I think that they need to figure them out sooner than later. I don't even know that they get figured out this season. Um, But regardless of what we see this week and next week in particular, I think the Cardinals game will probably be the big one. Um, whether or not they can beat a pretty bad Cardinals team on the road on Christmas night, prime time, that'll be that'll be tricky. Um, but I really think that now that they've beaten the Saints, another division win and swept the Saints for the first time in 15 years, by the way, 2007, um, after getting swept three years in a row in the regular season That's by the team, Saints. Man. I'm telling you, no matter what happens over these next three weeks, it's going to come down to those last two games, Carolina and Atlanta. If they win those two games, I think they win the division. That's an interesting take, yeah. So, it, it one another way you can say it is, man, the pressure is really off. Whereas, if they would have lost this game to the Saints, which it looked like they were going to, obviously, uh, wow, what a mess it would be, and what pressure it would be. There would be pressure on them to win against the Bengals or win against the Forty Niners. Yeah, which particularly we're the Forty Niners because yeah. that's an NFC game, right? Sure. You got to have yeah. that one now. Yeah, and you're, we're talking about going up against maybe the hottest defense in football. The 49ers, yep. like they are tough. Uh, and you're talking about the the Bucks who who really just they're not playing representative offense. They aren't. Now they're coming through in, in big situations here and there. And they're and they're saving their own bacon at times. But yep. it's this is still not right, right? The offense is still not right. Some of the problems that we've seen all season, some of the problems we saw last week against Cleveland, uh we saw more of it, right? We saw a lot of Brady yep. just just head in his hands, like frustrated not happy on the sideline, all that, right, Luke? Like, something's not right there, and you've already kind of teased it. We're going up against uh, third-string quarterback Brock Purdy. Uh, that should be fun. Third-string quarterback Brock Purdy uh, in the San Francisco 49ers this week, but it's hard to, like, love the Bucks going up against this defense, right? And the 49ers no are three-and-a-half-point favorites against this Bucks team. So what's your leadoff take on the matchup? I think that's a very kind number for Bucks fans. Um, so you're on the Niners. Listen, I the Bucks history, and I've said this before. The more obscure the opposing quarterback, the more nervous I am when the Bucks play them, because the, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers history, particularly recently, the last ten, fifteen years or so, is is just littered with these random performances from these these quarterbacks. Go like post Super Bowl, so post 2002 season, right? Because the Bucks ate up some some really bad quarterbacks in that era. 
But since then, like through that whole, you know, post Gruden, so you've got Shiano and even Raheem Morris and, and Lovey Smith and Dirk Cutter and all these head coaches, like that whole era, every time the Bucks play a quarterback who's who nobody knows, it's supposed to, you know, the starter's hurt, so it's the backup and it's a rookie. Almost every time they look bad. Like in the Saints series is a great example. Dennis Winston, Trevor Simeon, Andy Dalton, Taysom Hill, <laughs> Drew Brees. Like no matter who it is, if you're a future Hall of Famer or Mr. Irrelevant, who Brock, Brock Purdy is, the last pick in this year's draft, it's almost like the more upset. I'd rather them face Patrick Mahomes. Like I'd rather them face Joe Burrow because yeah. – at least then, A, you're going to be up for it, right? You know who you're facing. You're going to have to get jacked up for this game, right? You know you have to bring your A game. And if you don't, if you lose, if you get beat, it's Patrick Mahomes. It's Joe Burrow. Like, everybody gets it. Everybody understands. But when you give up, well, Mitch Trubisky, his rookie year in Chicago, threw six touchdown passes against the Bucks, five in the first half, if I'm not mistaken. Like, it was just, there, there are these weird, weird situations. Go back to P.J. Walker when Carolina beat them earlier in the season. Like, so the fact that it's Brock Purdy actually makes me more worried, which is stupid, but that's just like Bucks fans will agree with me on this. They, they, the fact that it's a more obscure quarterback makes us more annoyed because now it's going to be even stupider when they lose. Um, that's just how this team plays, and it's really annoying. But, um, you know, at the, at the end of the day, I really don't care who plays quarterback for this team because of the playmakers they have on offense. Obviously, you've got Debo Samuel, you've got Christian McCaffrey, you've got, uh, you've got George Kittle. You got Brandon Ayuk, Juwan Jennings has been really good for them this year. So they've got so many playmakers to distribute the ball to. And I think if you look at the way this defense is playing again, the Bucks only gave up 16 to the Saints. The Saints got shut out by the 49ers the week before. So, yeah. I mean, this defense, D'Amico Ryans is an absolute stud as a, as a defensive coordinator. I can't wait to see where he lands as a head coach next year. Um, you know, it, this defense is just playing so well, and the Bucks' offense is playing so poorly. Uh, that that I don't see a lot of rest for this defense. And again, you're you're going against a, a very complex offense in Kyle Shanahan. You're going against an offense that is going to find creative ways to make you pay for your over aggression. Something that the Bucks can struggle with at times, especially in the linebackers. You know, they want to pursue and be aggressive. And and the way this offense works, it's going to be a lot of misdirection, a lot of you know going one way and, and going back the other and, and trying to fool you with, with what you're seeing. A lot of, you know, jet motion and pre-snap motion to get you moving side to side and then gashing you north and south with the running game. This, this I don't see the Bucks moving the ball enough on offense and extending drives and, and staying on the field long enough to keep this defense from getting really tired in the second half. And this, and, and the 49ers are just built to, to pound away at you. They're a real physical football team. And it just doesn't match up well, I think, for the Bucks on, on both sides of the ball. Yeah, it, it feels like, especially on the defensive side for the 49ers, they're going to get a lot of pressure on Brady. The ball's going to be coming out quick. And the Bucks are going to be throwing it short of the sticks and punting a lot. <laughs> I just feel like yep, that's what we're going to be That's exactly seeing. what it feels. They're going to have to run the ball, man. They're, yeah. they're going to, and, and, and they can't do it really well right now. So I think, honestly, a lot of their run struggles come out of run-heavy formations because they don't block very well. I think their biggest bet, their, their best bet if they want to run the ball is to spread them out. You're going to have to spread them out and run out of passing formation, something the Philadelphia Eagles have been dominant at this year, right? They get in these these wide receiver heavy sets where they spread everybody out and lighten up the box, and then they run power. They run zone. They run all these different things and, and gash you with the running game. Their offensive line is a bit better than the Bucks is right now, um, so they can do that. But I, I think that's the Bucks' only hope. They're going to have to run the ball 
probably going to have to do it from some from light box formations where they can they can free up some of that space and hope the running backs have some room to work. Um, and the defense has got to create some turnovers, man. Uh, you know the 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 Bucks had I think an interception on a hail mary at halftime against the Browns that really didn't matter. And other than that, I think they've had no turnovers in like two months. So you know, I mean, this defense has got to help themselves out a little bit, I think, and make some big plays, turn the ball over, give their offense some short fields to work with where they can turn into some points quickly and, and get ahead of, uh, of the scoreboard a little bit. They, you know, the, the defense has played fairly well for the most part. The offense needs to pull their weight, but I think if the defense makes some, some bigger plays and comes away with some takeaways, they can help their cause a lot by giving the offense more advantageous situations where they can score some points more easily. Uh, and again, it's, you know, you hear the cliche all the time. It's complimentary football. That's what it looks like. You have got to help each other out. And the, the defense has to force some turnovers if they want to win this game. Yeah. I remember, I remember thinking Luke on Monday night, like when's Andy Dalton going to throw us one here, right? We're going to pick off Andy Dalton. We got to. Yeah. So that's, that's a good point. Yeah. They have not been getting those turnovers and that that'll be key. I think in terms of like a betting angle, my first gut reaction when, you know, I started to turn the page to this game, Bucks. 49ers with Brock Purdy starting for the Niners. I was like, I'm taking the under. What's the line? Uh, it had already moved to 37, right? I think the, the yeah. total opened at like 41. It's already down to 37. 37. I think the Bucks were almost averaging 37 points, 37 points like a couple of years ago, a game. And now it's like yeah, it down 34. 34 last year. They led the NFL. Okay, there it is. Yeah. And now the, the total between both teams is at 37. So I don't know if like what's too low, Luke, but I think this is going to be a really low scoring game, just like Monday night was, right? That game I think was forty and a half was a total. It was an easy under, and yeah. I don't know if I'm I betting I this. Hope, I hope it's a low scoring game because I think if it's a high scoring game, it means the Bucks are getting their ass. Yes, that's, that's true. I, that's true. I don't know, like how low could you bet? Somebody's scoring thirty five in this game. It ain't going to be the Bucks. Yeah, I agree. So how low would you bet that thirty seven? I don't know. That might be too low for me, but yeah, uh, I think it might be too low for me too. Yeah, that's. Even if it's a defensive score or something from San Francisco, I feel like I feel like there's going to be more points than that. All right, so not the end of the world if the Bucks lose this game, and uh, they might. Uh, I think Luke is uh, the official pick is minus three and a half for the Niners, right at home. You got the Niners here. Uh, yeah. What here, should... here's one thing I'll say about no. it though, Ryan. I yeah. think the, the the X factor here is if the Bucks are going to win this game, it might be because it's Tom Brady going back to face his childhood team, who. Uh depending on the reports or the rumors that you believe really would have preferred to play at San Francisco when he left new England and maybe they were not interested enough. Right. And so there are some people that still believe that he would want to go back and play there. I don't know about you, but if Brady takes me as the kind of guy where if you don't want me around, that's going to be a chip on my shoulder. I'm not going to come begging you again. Um, I think Brady, maybe he goes back there with a chance to uh, play it in, you know, his home area, play against the team that he idolized growing up. Maybe it's just one of those days where nothing else matters except for the fact that you have number twelve on your team and he goes out and, and, and balls out. Maybe that maybe this is the day. Maybe maybe that's why the Bucks win this game. I think it gives him a shot, right? I'd rather have him than than not have him. Um, and maybe if they win this game, it's just because the the Brady magic takes over again. Yeah, I think that Brady had like a spot with like LeBron James on some like podcast. I think it was like yep, the barbershop, yep. and he's like, "You want that guy over me?" You know, he was like talking crap. He might have been talking about the 49ers. Who knows? Uh, because, yeah, I mean, uh, man, that would have been a nice fit. Brady with the Niners. I mean, they would be uh, kind of like the Bucks, like, you know, kind of like the Bucks, like perennial Super Bowl contenders. <laughs> if he yeah. was on that freaking team with that coach and those pers- that personnel. Oh, boy, that'd be good. And, yay, never say never next year, Luke. I know you said maybe uh, that bridge has been burned, but 
maybe the Niners could try to make a run at him next year. That might make some sense. Trey Lance coming off another season-ending injury. Jimmy Garoppolo's hurt again. Uh, that's got to end in the for- with the 49ers sometime. Maybe maybe they make a run at Brady if he's moving on from the Bucks. If the Bucks can let him go, uh, who knows? Maybe there's some. Maybe the Patriots can get Brady back. Oh no, no, just wishful thinking now. Now, 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 now you're going cra- full Homer. Crazy talk, yeah, crazy talk. Uh, he's probably going to stay with the Bucks if he if he plays. But let's move on here. Uh, what's going on, Bucks Wire between now and kickoff, Luke? Anything fun that fans should be looking for? I mean, we're just going to try to give you guys as much hope as possible, right? We're not going to sugarcoat anything, yeah. but. Um, you know, as bad as this season has looked at points and, and as bad as things have gone, this team is still at 500. They still have a game and a half lead in the division. And again, they could conceivably lose the next three games, win the last two and still get into the playoffs. And at that point, all, all bets are off again. It, it, I guarantee you nobody's going to want to face Tom Brady in the playoffs, no matter who you are. Um, it probably would be the Cowboys at this point. The Bucks beat 19 to three in Week One. So Cowboys it's not fans like they would be don't have... freaking out if they had to come to Tampa Bay in the playoffs. They'd yeah. be freaking out, Luke. Yeah, oh no. And again, go back to the Bucks Super Bowl run. They were the 11 and five team going on the road to face a team with a losing record in the first round of the playoffs when they faced Washington that year. So, you know, they they know how that goes. Um, but again, you know, we're not going to sugarcoat things at Bucks Wire. We're going to tell you, tell it like it is. But the truth of the matter is that despite all the flaws in this team right now as it stands, and they are obviously far from perfect, there's a lot that needs to fix. I mean, they, they could go to the playoffs at eight and nine and, and go win the Super Bowl after that. You know, you just never know. Um, so there's, there's everything this team wants to accomplish is still within their grasp. Um, and that's, I think any team, any fan base, that's all you can really hope for at this time of year is, go into the Christmas season, you know, with a chance to make the playoffs and a chance to win a championship. The Bucks have those things uh, at, at their fingertips right now. So that's, that's a, a reason to be happy. Thank God they won that game, man. Thank God they won yeah. against the Saints because this would be, yep. we'd just be in a totally different spot. But Really appreciate Mark uh, Mark Ingram for running out of bounds. Really yes. appreciate Dennis Allen for having him in the game, even though he had a torn MCL or whatever it was instead of Alvin Kamara. I'm not sure what that was all about. Not really helping out your players uh, there, but uh, yeah, fruit basket headed to Saints headquarters <laughs> yes. for all the all the ways in which they teed that one up for us. Yes, thank you, DA. We do appreciate you over there. We do. Uh, the Saints really they they did help out a little bit, a little bit of an assist there for sure. The Bucks needed every second they could get, and the, the Saints gave the Bucks plenty of seconds back. So we do appreciate it. But yeah, plenty of football to cover and talk about going forward. Hopefully, a playoff run. It's all ahead of us. Looking forward to it for Luke. For Luke Easterling, I'm Ryan O'Leary. Check him out on Buckswire. And check Luke out on Twitter as well. The uh, Twitter handles are in the description of the show. We appreciate you for joining us. And we'll catch you next week. This USA Today Sports Podcast has been presented by USA Today's Sports Media Group and is available in your favorite podcast store. Make sure to subscribe for weekly updates, the latest fantasy picks from Corey Bonini, and the Huddle Podcast, Inside the Weekly Line, with Sportsbook Wire's Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren, and the Bet Slippin' Podcast. We'll see you again next week.